Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. We're going verse by verse, and we are in chapter number 20. And the Bible says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. If you would bow your head with me, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can gather this Sunday morning. We thank you for your saints. We do ask your blessing over the proclamation of your word. We pray that it goes not just into our brains as intellectual knowledge, but down into our hearts so that we can apply it and be used for your service. We do pray in the name of Christ Jesus, the Lord. Amen and amen. We all have valuable things around our house, and then we have things that are less valuable, right? Does anybody bring the rake and the shovel to the dinner table? Boys, if you do that, what does mom say? Leave that stuff outside. That's not for supper table. In like manner, you don't bring the fine chinette out to the garden. And you don't bring the, the, the fancy silverware out into the garden and have the kids play with it, right? Because in our houses, we have things that are considered valuable and things that are considered of lesser value. You don't wear your work church. You don't wear your work clothes to church, and you don't wear your church clothes to work, right? Why? Because you have some clothes that are used for work. You have some clothes that are used to go to church. Now, clothes don't make a man. Clothes don't make a woman. But look, if I got a pair of um, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wear my jeans that I got all the silicone and all the paint on it to go and do a job. But I'm going to grab my best pair of jeans. If I'm going to go to a function, that's important. Unless you fellas take out a girl and just don't take a bath, don't brush your teeth, and don't put clean clothes on. Why? Because there's some things valuable and of lesser value. Uh, when you have guests come over, do you serve them leftover pizza? I don't. What do we do? We order the fresh stuff. Why? Because it's the guests. We want things. Now, is it wrong to have leftover pizza? Of course it's not. But we have guests. We want to take care of them. We want to give them something. A little bit more value. And the Bible says, in a great house, there are not only vessels. What's a vessel? A vessel's a pot. A vessel's a barrel. A vessel's a container. It's a container. And it doesn't matter so much what the vessel is. It doesn't matter what the vessel looks like. What matters most is what is inside the vessel. Whether you bring a rake and a shovel to the dinner table, it doesn't matter so much as what is the spirit around the table. It doesn't matter if you wear your work clothes to church or you got some good church clothes that you put aside and you're going to wear to church. What matters is what's inside the body of believers. 
you know, we have a midweek service, if Lord willing, if, if, if the Lord grows that. You know what we're going to have men coming from? Work. You know what they're going to wear? Their work clothes. What's more important? What's more important? The vessel? Or what's inside the vessel? That's the most important thing. What is inside the vessel? What does your vessel contain? What is inside of your vessel? Our creator God describes us like a clay pot. Uh, Isaiah 64, 8, you don't have to turn there. But the Bible says, but now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou our potter. Sorry, but Harry is not my potter. Okay, he's not. It's a bunch of junk. And if you get excited about witchcraft books, then I can't help you. The Bible can, because it says we are the clay and thou our potter and we are the work of thy hand. We didn't make ourselves. We're not all that. Now, you know what you have to do, boys, girls? Did you ever do the project yet where you have to make some pottery and you work with clay? You know what you're going to find out? You got to add to it water so that you can do what? Shape it, mold it. Do you know who the living water is? It's Jesus Christ. And he's the one that can mold you and shape you and form you. Let God, boys and girls, develop you. Let God he knows how your life can be best used. He's the potter. Let's get 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter number 4. Let's look at this. The Bible says in verse number 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let's back up to verse 3. Sorry, back up to verse 3. Look at this. This is good. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, little lowercase g God, by the way, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They don't have to be lost. What is our job? Let's go out with some flashlights of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I go to church. Church can't save you. Well, I'm a member at such and such. Membership can't save you. Well, I got baptized when I was eight. Great, good for you. It can't save you. We've got to bring the glorious light of the gospel. And they don't have to stay lost. But we, verse 7, have this treasure in earthen vessels. Isn't that interesting? That the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. Oh boy, we're strong guys, man. Yeah, we work, we lift stuff, we move stuff, we know stuff. If we can't beat somebody up physically, yeah, we will beat them up intellectually. If we can't beat them intellectually, we'll just beat them up with spiritually. We can't beat them up spiritually. We'll just beat them up emotionally because we're, well, okay, great. But the Bible says, nah, 
of us really should be of God. God's a perfect gentleman. We should be as well. Our bodies, though, are in an earthen vessel. It's dying. It's decaying. It's breaking down every day. We're growing older. Boys, girls, you may not think it now, but every day you're getting a bit older. You are. Your body. And we are unworthy to hold such a valuable treasure that we hold. Christ Jesus, our Lord, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. John 14 Let's get that. John 14 and 1 Corinthians 6. All right, John 14, verse number 20, the Bible says, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. God is in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God. And ye are, look at this, not your own. God is in you. Christ Jesus the Lord. The God who commanded the light to shine. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The excellency of the power of God. It's in you if you're saved. If you're a born again child of God. Boom. It's in you. An earthen vessel. Praise his holy name. Now, we go back to 2 Timothy. I know we're going a bit around. That's a good thing to do. And the Bible says, uh, but also of wood and earth. And look what it says at the end of it. And some to honor and some to dishonor. What are you pouring forth from your pot? That's the question. What are you pouring forth your earthen vessel. We have a lost and dying world all around us. You know what the world is dying of? Thirst. You know what they need to drink? Christ, the living water. They need to get a taste of Jesus Christ. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know what the problem is? We flavor the contents with our selves you know what you know what I'm telling you I don't know a lot if you if you're 60 70 80 years old you've lived the life and you have you you have the hindsight to know more about life but here's what I know that I know that I know you know what's worse than pride spiritual pride I know things from the Bible that I'm convicted about and I'm just going to knock somebody out with it. And I'm just telling you, a couple months ago on the street, this Church of Christ preacher wore me out. Wore me out. 
I'm telling you, I was in the flesh, bro. Man. It just wore me out. I could have used two or three brothers to help. But it's so easy to get spiritual prideful and just tell this guy off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. Because I'm going to fight this way with this stuff. Boys, I'm just telling you right now, the world you live in is a battlefield. And I'm telling you from experience, my life was built around fighting physically. That's what I spent my life doing. Strategizing, training, competing, eating right, doing all the things I could do to go out into battle and win and then teach others to do the same thing. Wow. That's not your fight. That's not your fight. That's not your three fights. That's not your fight. And it ain't my fight. We're fighting a different battle. And it's a spiritual battle. Put the same time, commitment, sacrifice, love, and effort into that. And you just watch what the Lord will do. He'll use you. He will. He will. Bottled water, you know, the cheap bottled water where you can kind of taste the plastic when you drink it. That's kind of what we do. <laughs> you want the, you want the, not that you just can't turn your spigot on and drink it, but nobody, you can't drink it out of the hose anymore either. But you don't want the plastic taste, right? You want the water taste. That's what we do. We're like the cheap plastic bottle. We know they should get the living water, but we keep flavoring it with ourselves. So it isn't that we contain God, although we do, we learn that. It's that, that we don't allow him to pour out of us as much as we should. All right, now let's go here. We're going to look at Jesus's first miracle, which all lost people know this. They all know Jesus's first. Yeah, yeah. Water into wine. All right, so get John 2. They know that Jesus drank. Right? And they know that you shouldn't judge, except that's not really what the Bible really says. But, all right, look at this. John chapter number two. Watch, because this is good. This is real good. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother, so all the ladies out there, if you want to be like Mary and all the Roman Catholic ladies, if they want to be like Mary, then they should do what Mary did. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. <laughs> Whatever Jesus says, you do. And, verse 6, we're set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. Interesting. Containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And the ruler of the feast had tasted the water which was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. 
governor of the feast, called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. When men have well drunk, doesn't say they were drunk and they were they were drunk and off their mind. They said they just drank a lot. Then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles to Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Why did Jesus have them go get water pots? Go over to Matthew 9, and we'll get our answer. Matthew 9, verse number 17. The Bible says, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Why? Because you don't put old wine... You don't put new wine into old bottles, right? Matthew 9. But everybody's out of wine, which, by the way, is not intoxicating beverage. And we're not going to preach on this this morning because we'll get way off and there'll be another 30 minutes. But uh, it would have been sin, number one, if Jesus turned it into intoxicating beverage, he would have broken Habakkuk 2.15, which says, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink that puttest thy bottle to him and maketh him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. He wouldn't have violated that verse. Number two, we know that new wine is clearly, Isaiah 65, 8, as the new wine is found in the cluster. You know what you got? Cluster of grapes. You know what you do? You take that cluster and you squeeze it. You know what you got, kids? New wine. What the Bible says is new wine, not intoxicating beverage. Somebody says Jesus turned water into alcohol. That man's a liar. He did not. It would have been sin. It would have violated the definition of what new wine is, which is in the cluster. And just for logical sakes, it's made out of water. Last I checked, water doesn't ferment. <laughs> okay, so it is not alcoholic, intoxicating beverage. But Jesus says, okay, boys. Fill the water pots with water. But in verse 6 in John chapter 2, look at what it says. After John 2, verse 6, look at what it says. After the manner of the purifying of the Jews, he has them bring the pots that was used for hand washing. New wine goes into those vessels where the old wine had been. They would have been busted. New wine, it would have, got, would have made a mess. New wine doesn't go into vessels. that had old fermented wine or old wine at all. So he says, I got a better idea. Go grab the pots that have all the hand washing that went on because when people are coming, they don't have indoor plumbing. Nobody's going and using some antibacterial soap to clean off their hands. They're all stopping to wash their hands. And he doesn't just make new wine. There's a double miracle that occurs. He purifies the water pots where the wine would go. 
The water pots had to be as pure as the new wine or it had been defiled. And you know what? You got saved. You got the satisfying drink of living water, which gave you what? Eternal life. But as you got eternal life, you know what the Lord did? He made you a pure vessel. That's what Jesus Christ does. There's a double miracle that occurred. It's pure, pure, no defilement at all. But as he does that, the vessel itself has to be made pure or it would just be icky and yucky. And that's what Jesus Christ does for you. When you get saved, when I got saved, he gives us eternal life and he makes us pure at the same time. Now we have to decide what is that vessel going to be used for? It doesn't matter how dirty the water pots were. It doesn't stop Jesus from making it pure. And it doesn't matter how dirty your life was before you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. He can make you pure. That's what he does. And nobody else can do that. Oh, wow, I got Jesus Christ in me. I'm saved. I've got eternal life. He made you pure at the same time. He just didn't give you eternal life. You were made for his service right now. And you can't do it without his help. Why would you want to even try to? Well, what he did for you. He set the precedent right there for his first miracle, for exactly why he came and what he came to do. Colossians 1.12, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Give me thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. The Lord made us a fit vessel of eternal life. Now, two last things to consider before we get back on track here. Number one, Jesus is involved. He's at a social gathering. Jesus was not an isolated spiritual hermit that walked around and just went to his little... He was involved with people. And second thing to consider, if you want to have a great marriage or one that is blessed, you better make sure Jesus is invited if he's not invited, it's going to be, well, I got a, I got a, uh, I had a ceremony. I got a marriage certificate. And that's about it. Jesus better be invited. Let's get back to 2 Timothy. So we have eternal life. We have pure water, living water. And then something happens to the vessel. If a man, verse 21, therefore purge, that means to cleanse or to purify of moral defilement. It's getting rid of what is impure. Himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Let's get two passages of Scripture. Let's get Psalms 79. Psalm 79 and Hebrews 9. Psalm 79, verse number 9. Help us. 
That's a good place to start our day. <laughs> uh, instead of give me give me breakfast. <laughs> what do you uh, help us, oh God, of our salvation? I mean, it's not like He saved you or anything. Why would you want to ask Him for help? We should help us, oh God, of our salvation for the glory of Thy name, and deliver us. And purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Get our Hebrews 9 verse. Hebrews 9 verse number 14. Hebrews 9 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Your conscience, my conscience was defiled by sin. Christ Jesus took that away. He took the guilt. He took the defilement. And he made you pure. You're not dirty anymore. I'm not dirty anymore. And you look and look at some lost person. It's all spiffed up in a nice suit and tie and say, oh, he's not really as dirty as the bum that's got ripped up clothes, hasn't had a bath in three months, and his teeth are falling out. They're both completely dirty and defiled before God the same way. So before we judge the outside vessel, we got to know that the purging that Jesus Christ did was for our something to happen inward. Inward. Outside vessels, man, people can fake you out. You know, the old husband and wife fighting to church and then they get out. Oh, great to see you, brother. Great to see you, sister. Praise the Lord. It'd be neat to just have them continue the fight in the parking lot. I mean, that, at least it, that make for some real good, exciting greetings. <laughs> Look, we all understand social graces, right? Don't fight in Walmart. Wait until you get in the car. It's We know the kids, your kids are so well behaved. You don't live with them. You, you know, it, it, we, we all understand that when we go out in public, we put on social graces. That's natural. That's normal. That's understood. The outside doesn't make a man. The outside doesn't make a woman. Purge. Christ purged our sin in the cross. Now, growing up Roman Catholic, we were taught that it was not sufficient. You never knew 100% that you would go be with the Lord when you died. Your best life now really was a shorter stay in purgatory. There's an old Roman Catholic saying, greater riches, lesser times. Greater riches, lesser time in purgatory. One way to get people to give, huh? You give more to the church, you give, you'll have a lesser stay in purgatory. People are enslaved to that. Religion always enslaves. Only Jesus saves. But we don't go to a place to have our sins purged. They were purged on the cross. So you don't have to worry about that. I did for many years. I don't anymore. Uh, okay, so where, where are we? Where are we, kids? What, what, what chapter are we in? Second Timothy, what verse? Chapter 
number two, verse number 21. We got to look at the these. What are, if any man therefore purge himself from these, what are these? Back up to verse 17. It looks like, we already preached on this verse, but it looks like it could be, or it is, part of it. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Are there any Hymenaeuses and Philetuses in your life? <laughs> Probably purge yourself of those guys. Um, the false teachers, they eat doth as a canker. They're not going to be good for you, for me, and... We need to purge ourselves of them. Then the, the look at um let's go to Hebrews again. And 2 Peter. Keep your finger at 2 Timothy, but Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, starting at verse number 14. For by one offering hath he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise his holy name. Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three, verse number one. This, this second epistle. Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You know what God wants us to have? Pure minds. We can have a pure mind that isn't filthy and defiled. And we need to purge ourselves of anything that would fill our mind with filthiness or defilement. Let me tell you, here, here's what they say for the boys. Gentlemen, you need to learn the eye bounce. And if you don't know what the eye bounce is, the eye bounce is if you see a billboard of a half-naked lady on a sign, you should bounce your eyes the other way. And you should. You shouldn't look at that junk. Woman's body is made for her husband. Husband's body is made for wife. But boys, let me tell you something. You're going to grow up in a world that's full of filth. And so your mom and dad teach you, look, when you see those dirty pictures on the billboard, you look away. Well, great, you looked away. Problem is, you love looking. You don't have a pure mind. Now, guys love women. Women love men. It's Adam and Eve, right? So it's natural for you to want to, when you get older, have a wife. That's a natural thing. You're going to be attracted to a woman. And ladies, when you grow up, you're going to be attracted to a man. That's good. That's the Bible way. And you know what? We don't have to have classes and all of these things structured to teach the boys and girls that. Don't they kind of figure it out? But look, if you want to have a pure mind, it's not looking at the picture and then looking away as though an outward thing does something for your pure mind. It's looking at the picture and then looking away, and your heart and mindset it says, I hate that. I hate filth because God hates filth. I don't look at dirty pictures 
because God hates dirty pictures and I want my mind and my heart to be pure. Wives all across America fix their husband's breakfast and they fix their husband's supper when they come home from work and they put it on the table for him and they did the deed. They made it. It's hot. It's fresh. It's steamy. But in their heart, they're saying, I really hate the old man. <laughs> I really wish I didn't have to do this for him. You did something outward, but inwardly your heart and your mind is unpure and defiled. I got dressed up for church. Well, great. You spent $24 for a new pair of trousers and you spent $30 for a new dress and you came to church and on your way to church, you're thinking, I really hope he doesn't preach about the sin I'm in. I'm really hoping the preacher doesn't mention our minds matter to God. Pure mind, not outward things to show people that we're spiritual. Big deal, the wife made dinner for her husband. Wouldn't it be better for her to just chop up some fruit and have a little slice of toast and some water for breakfast that took half a minute to make, but she sits down and she just loves them. Isn't that better than a real nice, fresh, hot breakfast with I really wish the old man would get out of the house. <laughs> we do things that aren't pure, but outwardly they look pure. God wants us to have a pure mind. Just trying to help all the fellows out this morning. That's all. all right. God wants us to cleanse our mind every day. He wants us to cleanse our mind so we're a pure vessel of honor for his use. The Bible says, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for our own personal use. That's not what it says. For the master's use. We had a little boy come in. I, I've told this story before, but if you haven't heard it, I had a little boy come in. I taught martial arts for many years and the mom came in and the dad came in and the little boy who was about nine years old looks at me and he says, will you be my master? And I said, no, no, son, I won't be your master. There's only one master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And his parents were end up being Christians. And so it worked out good. We should be prepared for the master's use, not our own use. You remember that, boys and girls. Ask the Lord to make you meet for the master's use. Not what you want. And not just having him live inside of you. What flows out? That is just as important. Honorable use. What flows out? Prepared unto every good work. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what Paul did. But I keep my body, 1 Corinthians 9.27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself 
should be a castaway. Why do we need to be like Paul? He wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Keep his body, bring it under subjection. All kinds of things will creep in. They do. You get something in your heart about your spouse. You get something in your heart about your kids. You get something in your heart about a brother or sister in Christ. And your vessel slowly starts to be used dishonorably and not for honor. And before you know it, we're getting further and further away from having any value for the master's use. We've got work. The Lord wants to use us here. Look at your life. What is it? Most people only realize the true value of something once it's gone. We can't. We can't think like that. Christ living in you, you've got the living water. You want your vessel to be used for an honorable purpose. It's both. It's not just Christ in you. It's what flows out of you. It's valuable. We can't forget that. We've got to live with our life in that perspective. Last thing, and then I'm done. The old poem, I don't even write, I think it's stud, C.T. Stud, but only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before His judgment seat. Only one life which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding my, me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in His will. Only one life, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy your sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn and from the world now let me turn. Living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life. Twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Last verse of his poem. Only one life will twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has burned out for thee.
Christ is. Oh, would you bow with me in prayer? Brother Gary, would you pray for us, please? Father, we just want to praise you. We want to thank you, Lord, for this day. And we want to thank you for the message that we just heard. We want to ask you to help us. Lord, we're so feeble and frail. We're so weak. We ask you to be our strength, Lord. We ask you to guide us. We ask you to work in the things that, Lord, we don't even know yet that we have needed. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each one of us in this in this room right now. That you would use your word in our lives. That you would use your word to grow us up and to make us vessels of honor. Lord, there's so many things that we don't know. We don't understand. But we do understand that you love us and you gave yourself for us and that we are not our own. We are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. And Lord, help us to make that what leads us on. Help us to be soldiers for you. Help these young people in this room. Father, I just pray that you'd be with them and help them and guide them and direct them and give them strength. Give them the armor that they need. Help them to understand the foundation that they need to stay on. Lord, there's trials in this very room that only you can take care of. I pray that you give strength for each one of those trials. Give victory as only you can do. And we will praise you and we will thank you because you are our God. You are our salvation. And you are our strength. For you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a love and a sound mind. Help us to go in your strength today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, stand as we sing. Thank you, Brother Gary, praying for us. Number 586. If you can stand, please do so. If not, that is okay too. But it's my Jesus, I love thee. Number 586. <clears throat> to the 
Heavenly Father, will you dismiss us? Help us to be used for your use. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.